This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk. With special guests including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real-life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Hey, happy October 1st. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so everybody get out there and get checked, not just this month, but every month, because it, it, we got to stop this. It's, it's really bad. Anyway, how are you, dude? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? What's the news with you? What's the news? I don't know. I'm just, you know, working, taking care of my family, hanging out in Red Bank. Living life. Yeah, just trying to. Yeah, living life like all of us. Yeah, Talia's turning four on Saturday. Oh, so I got. I have to so spend. Soon. I have to find four hours in the middle of the night to build a dollhouse. Oh boy, yeah, yeah that's always a tough yeah. one. Yeah. So I can't even believe it. My allergies are so unbelievably bad. I was mowing the lawn. Every part of my body itches right now. Well, my face, my neck, everything. Stop being so tough and get yourself one of those masks, and and you could look like a psycho, but at least you won't. Your allergies won't bother you. You should wear goggles and a yeah. mask when you do the lawn. Well, just so you know, mail manager mom mm. bought me one. There you go. And I had, <clears throat> excuse my voice, but <sighs> so she's like, wear that mask I gave you. And I'm like, yeah, no. No, yeah, yeah. She's right. You're wrong. So swallow your pride, get over yourself, and protect yourself. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's, it just looks really, I mean, people be like, what's going on there? But anyway, I wanted to ask, I love this guest because, Seth, you did this years ago. And you told me it was really beneficial to you. You said you, and I don't know why you don't do it now, but you were talking about meditation. And I was like, yeah, okay, right. Yeah, okay, right. But you said when you did it, it was one of the best best times you ever felt, correct? Uh, if you talk to any successful, super successful person, there's usually a pra- meditation practice. That's why I'm like, oh, I'm just doing okay because I'm not practicing. But no, in, yeah. the, in seriousness, yes. I think it's something that um, everyone should probably have a practice. Yeah, and you know, to me, when I used to hear it, I used to think of the, uh, you know, the the woo woo, and you sit with your legs crossed, and you got the incense burning, and all this other stuff. But I'll tell you what, this guest really broke it down for me. I mean, I was, I mean, I was really skeptical, and I told her so. Just so you know, I was like very honest about it. But anyway, let's get into this because Emily Fletcher is the founder of Ziva meditation, a leading expert in meditation, 
for extraordinary performance. Her book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, debuted at number seven out of all the books on Amazon. A former Broadway star who has been featured in the New York Times, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Vogue, ABC News for her work on extraordinary performance through, med through meditation. Emily's, excuse my voice, Emily's been named one of the top 100 women in wellness to watch. She's taught more than 20,000 students around the world and has spoken on meditation for performance at Apple, Google, Harvard, Barclays Bank, you name it, she's been there. Ziva graduates include Oscar, Grammy, Tony and Emmy Award winners, NBA players, Navy SEALs, Seth, Navy SEALs. Wow. Former... Yeah, former 500 CEOs and, or Fortune 500 CEOs and busy parents. It's with great pleasure and joy that we welcome to the One Tap Mother Show. Now, I'm actually super, super curious about this. Emily Fletcher. Wow, thanks for that amazing intro. And I'm excited to talk all about turning the brain on and off and when we should or shouldn't and what's possible and what's not. I'm telling you, Emily, I... I read a lot about you. I've watched you speak on the sh on YouTube. It's so interesting to me because my brain, everybody will know, everybody that listens to the show knows me as my brain is always on, always on. I sleep three to four hours a night and have for 35 years. And um, subsequently, unfortunately, I pass that down to my kids. All four of my kids are overachievers. Their brain's always on the go. I mean, it's crazy. And I listen to the stuff you say and go, and I hate to say this because you said this in one of the, one of the videos I watched you. Oh, she's one of those meditation people. Mm -hmm. But I loved that you said it, that you were here where I, you were at one time here where I am. Talk to me about it. How did you get this going? Yes. So you're so not alone. So many of us are, you know, workaholics, achievement-aholics. Our brains are always going, you know, we've, we've bought into the cult of busy. We think that the harder we work, the better we'll be. Um, but unfortunately, that's just not sustainable. And now we're starting to learn that it's not even true that you, you know, that working ourselves into the ground and not sleeping and not resting and not meditating and not exercising, that we just simply aren't perform, we aren't able to perform at the top of our game if we're running ourselves ragged or, you know, going into chronic fatigue or burning out our adrenals or just not taking time to replenish and recharge. And the thing I love about meditation is that it speaks to both of these truths. It speaks to the fact that we need to replenish and recharge, but it also is you know, more effective than coffee and faster than a nap. So you can still be a hyper achievement oriented person and just think of meditation as like a nap on crack because in this type of meditation, you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep, but without the sleep hangover. And so you do a 15 minute meditation in the middle of your workday and you're going to have hours more productivity and you're going to enjoy yourself more along the way. And the really good news is that you don't have to clear your mind in order to be successful at this style of meditation. All right, back down, girlfriend. Let me just be honest with you. 15 minutes during my busy day is going to put me up there. 
Yes, that's it. Well, I mean, you, it's 50 minutes twice a day. You got to do it in the morning. So in the morning before coffee, breakfast, computer, and then you do your second sitting, like when you would have had the coffee or the nap or the chocolate, like where you start to feel yourself making mistakes or you start to reach for the chips or you start to go a little bleary eyed and you start making mistakes. You want to steal away, do 15 minutes. And it, it really is, it's like, you, it's like you brush your teeth for your brain. You come out fresher. You come out more energized, more creative. It's like shutting down your computer and turning it back on again. It runs faster. It can download all that software. It cleans out all the old irrelevant tabs that you, you know, that, that just online shopping tab you had opened two weeks ago and the YouTube video and the social media that's just slowing down your brain computer. When you meditate, all those windows get closed. So when you come out on the other side, you have more energy, more creativity, more focus, and more, more energy, really. Okay, Emily, wait a minute. I'm in the middle of a crazy busy day. Crazy what? busy. I can shut my head off for 15 minutes? Well, the cool thing here is that it's not about shutting your head off. It's the nature of the mind to think. And the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. And P.S., this is why most people think that meditation is hard. And this is why most people think that they can't meditate. Because they, they like you, think, well, I can't clear my mind. I can't shut off my brain. But the only time the brain flatlines is when we're dead. And that's not what we're up to in meditation. You can have thoughts and you will have thoughts and you can still get the benefits. So what I do is that I train people to be self-sufficient meditators. So if you read the book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, or if you take any of my classes, we have an online or an in-person training, what I do is that I give you the keys to the car and the driving instructions so that you become self-sufficient. So that you have the tools, the training, and the navigation to know how to do this on your own, how to go in and induce this deep rest that I'm talking about, how to navigate the inevitable emotional and physical detox that can happen for a lot of us, and, and then start to make it something that you look forward to versus another thing to feel guilty about or another you know, to-do item on your list that isn't getting done. But Emily, I mean, be honest with us. I mean, how, did, how could you possibly have gotten into this? You were a Broadway star. Like, whatever pushed you in this direction? <laughs> well, it was because I thought I was going to be so, so happy once I got on Broadway. And then it turns out I was having panic attacks underneath my dressing room table, you know, in fetal position, listening to Eckhart Tolle on repeat because I was so stressed and I wasn't sleeping and I had insomnia and I was understudying three of the lead roles in a chorus line. And that chronic stress, just it, I got to the end of my rope. And, and here I was like living my dream, doing the thing that I thought was supposed to make me happy. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think all of us have achieved something that we thought was going to make us happy. And then lo and behold, it didn't. And then we think, well, my happiness must be on the other side of the next dream or the next boyfriend or the next zero or the next completion of the next to-do list. And the reality is that it never comes. And so Anyway, I'm rocking myself in fetal position, having panic attacks, and this woman sitting next to me in the dressing room is like, hey, maybe you should try meditation. And this woman was much better at her job than I was at mine. So I went along with this intro talk, liked what I heard, signed up for this four-day course. On the first day of my first course, I was meditating. I didn't know what that meant, but I was in a decidedly different state of consciousness than I had ever been in, and I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was 11 years ago. Then I did not get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I started enjoying my job again. And I thought, why does everybody not do this? And so I left Broadway, I went to India, and I started what became a three-year training process to teach this. 
And then since graduating, like you said, I've taught over 20,000 people to meditate. So, and, and by the way, we specialize in high performers and high achievers. So you are not the first person who has said to me like, hey, I'm super busy. Hey, I can't stop my mind from thinking. And so this is why I'm really beating this drum of just because you can't clear your mind does not mean you're a meditation failure. It is the nature of the mind to think. It thinks involuntarily. So just like we can't give our hearts a command to stop beating, we also cannot give our brains a command to stop thinking. And yet this is the criteria everyone's judging themselves by. And this is why everyone thinks they're failing and why the world is filled with ex-meditators. So our job at, at, at Ziva, our mission is to rid the world of ex-meditators. Okay. to educate people to know that they can get all these benefits that I'm talking about, better sleep, better sex, better immune system, more creativity, reversing your body age, that these all can happen for you even if you're having thoughts during the meditation. But okay, so this make, it's starting to make some sense to me. All right, I'm starting to feel it. Okay. But in, honest, in all honesty, if you, do, if you don't clear your mind and I can't I'm, I'm gonna be honest I've been through I've had people on the show that are met, met, you know, talk about meditation many of my friends oh you got to meditate you got to meditate sitting um and I'm just I, I'm just not able to pull it down enough to that level what is the trick what is the hack here the hack is knowing that meditation is a skill it's a skill like any other, and it takes training. And just like you wouldn't expect yourself to start magically speaking Japanese tomorrow, or magically knowing how to tap dance, or magically know how to become a carpenter or a mechanic, you know, if you wanted to learn any of those skills, you would start with some training. Hey, I'm going to take a Japanese class. I'm going to learn how to be become a mechanic. And yet, because meditation is simple, we all assume we should already know how to do it. And so we just were like, okay, but let me just try this meditation thing. And we sit down, we close our eyes, and we're like, all right, brain, shut it down. And they're like, God, I'd love a snack. Oh, now I'm thinking about snacks. I suck at meditation. I quit. And, and then we're much less likely to ever start again. We get frustrated. We think, well, I'm just not a meditator because my brain is too crazy. But it, it really is a skill. It requires training and, and a teacher that you trust and respect. And because in addition to it being a skill and something that you want to learn how to be able to do on your own, any meditation practice worth its salt is going to create some level of a purge. The, it, the thing is, if you think about it as a stress relieving tool, which is what it is, that stress that's been stored in your cellular memory, the stress that's been stored in your body for decades has to come up and out. It has to go somewhere. And that's really a good teacher's job is to help you through that purging process, to help you through that healing catharsis. And that's another reason why I think it's really important that people get guidance. And then the th cool thing is once you know the skill, like no one can take it away from you. And then you're not dependent on your phone or an app or a gong or a symbol or incense. You don't need any props in order to meditate. Once you learn, you can just close your eyes and dive in on an airplane, on a subway, on a taxi, on a bus with your kids yelling in the next room. Then you don't have to be so precious about the setting. You don't need silence if you have training and tools. You just are able to go inside yourself whenever, wherever. Okay. Sounds really cool. So, okay. Uh, I read something that you'd had, you had actually written on your website and it was like depression and anxiety. 45% of women in the U S take medication for anxiety and or depression. Let me tell you something. Believe me, I'm telling you right now that's wrong. I'm going to say it's got to be 65 to 70 because every single person I know basically is taking something. Mm -hmm. And it just shocks me. Mm -hmm. It shocks me to hear I'm on an antidepressant. I'm on an anti-anxiety pill. I take sleeping pills. 
I can't sleep at night. Um, that in itself is just mind blowing to me. Does this, does this help women? This really helps people, not just women, people come to the level where they can talk themselves out of a big anxiety attack. Um, so it's not about talking yourself out of an attack. Like we, I don't recommend that people use Ziva as triage. Ziva is going in and day by day, systematically eradicating that entire backlog of stress and anxiety that gets stored in the body. And if you do that work every day, twice a day, then your propensity for anxiety attacks goes down tremendously. So anxiety attacks are like you're at a 9.5 out of 10 and something happens and it kicks you over into a 10. So what we do at Ziva is that day by day, we systematically bring that baseline down to a two or a three. And then if something happens, maybe you spike up to a four or a five. It's not that we don't feel anything. You know, we're not numbing ourselves. We're still human, but you're not going into a mayday red line situation. You feel it and then you come back to the new norm. You move through the feelings, you move into the new now. And really in, in India, we would call anxiety and depression, you know, flip sides of the same coin and that both are symptoms of stress. And that if you get rid of the stress in the body, you can help with anxiety and depression. Now that said, I don't want to further stigmatize any, anyone who needs medication because a lot of people do, and there's lots of people who meditate and still need medication and that's totally fine. However, I don't believe that 45% of American women have a Zoloft deficiency. I just don't think that that is true. I think that we don't understand how to feel our feelings. Many of us have not been equipped with tools to process our intense emotions. And we've been trained since infancy to not feel. You know, don't cry, have a cookie. Don't be sad, have a toy. Don't be angry, have a bottle. You know, I have a one and a half year old son right now and it's uncomfortable to hear him cry. I don't like it when he's sad. And so it's so, I watch in myself my, my temptation to want to pacify him. Now, I'm not saying I just like, you know, throw him on the street and say, good luck, kid. But I'm, I want to encourage him to feel his feelings. I don't want him to think that crying is bad. So I try to sit with him and comfort him and listen to him and make him feel heard and seen and empowered to feel his feelings versus just caving and placating to whatever his toddler desire is in that you know, whatever that whim is in that moment. And I think that because that requires a level of bravery and uncomfortability on our parents, and not, not many parents have been trained to do that with their kids. And then we move into being adults and then we've got the whole advertising industry saying like, you know, you're not good enough by this thing. You're not good enough by this thing. And it makes us feel more anxious, more depressed. And then a lot of doctors also are not trained on how to help people feel their feelings or move through intense times of life. And so it's hard to see your patient in pain. And so oftentimes they'll just give them the cookie. They'll just give them the pill to mask the symptom. But at, like any you know, good doctor will tell you, we have to go to the root cause. And that's why I'm so glad there's a, an awakening of functional medicine happening right now in the West where we're starting to look at well, instead of what could I add in, what pills should I be adding in, doctors are starting to ask the question, well, what could we take away? Could we take away a bit of caffeine? Could we remove a bit of alcohol? Could we lessen a bit of sugar? Could we increase a bit of sleep? Could we add in a little exercise? You know, we start to look at the holistic picture and, you know, could we get, get a bit more sunshine? Could we have a bit more sex? Could we spend more time in nature? Could we watch the sunrise? Could we spend a little less time on technology? And if you start doing all of those things, you might notice that, and adding meditation to the mix, you're gonna notice that your anxiety and depression 
it, it balances out pretty quickly. Now, not for everyone. You know, some people can do all those things I just mentioned and still have depression. And that's why medication exists and thank God for it. But mm, meditation, I've had, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of students report, you know, my anxiety is just gone. My depression is so much better now that I do this every day, twice a day. That's, that's so interesting. And you know what I love? I love that you hit on kids. I love it. Because mm. I was just in the store the other day, and this little boy, I'm going to say he was a three and a half, four, that age group. And he had a little sister, and she's pushing the cart, and the little sister's sitting in the cart, and the little boy's walking off. And he wants something. I don't know if it was canned. I don't know what he wanted. But he was really starting to get, you know, vocal about it. And he's starting to cry, and he's starting to have, you know, a little meltdown because he wants this. And what she said just blew me away. You know why it blew me away, Emily? Because I've said it. It sucks to say. It sucks to be truthful. But I am truthful. And I said this. Stop crying. You're not a baby. Don't be a baby. Stop mm -hmm. crying. And mm -hmm. I think to myself now, in retrospect, all little kids must have heard those words over yeah. and over and over and over again. Yeah. And we're taught that by teachers we're taught that by our parents we're taught that by our siblings we're taught that by our our you know spouses our bosses all through life you're told to be to stop doing whatever you're doing because you're dissatisfied you're not a baby you man up come on get this together not good it's not good the way we're raising our kids with this and yes. i i'm so so guilty of it and it makes me feel so crappy saying it but i'm honest about it what do you suggest? Well, I suggest, well, first of all, thank you for your honesty. You're a thousand percent not alone. I teach this stuff for a living. I've done a lot of training on this stuff and I still see myself doing it. Right. You know, it's uncomfortable. It's painful to watch someone you love in pain. It's sad to watch your kid cry. And again, I'm not suggesting that you don't like comfort your child. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. It's like, can you get in there with them? Can you look them in the eye when they're crying? Can you almost help them to lean into the feeling, to help them to feel seen and heard and understood and let them know that they're safe? Because I think oftentimes when we hear someone crying, we'll be like, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, but they're not okay. They're sad. They're angry. And so if you say you're okay, you're, you're, you're diminishing their feelings. So instead, what if we say something like, you're safe. I love you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm listening. How can I help? You know, it's a simple little shift. You're still in there. You're still comforting them, but you're letting them know that they're safe, right? How can I help? I'm here. I'm with you in this versus you're not a baby. Stop crying or you're okay. When, like, if so, if you were crying and you went to your partner or your coworker or your best friend sobbing, crying, and the first thing they said to you was, You're okay, it's like, Well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm not okay right now. Yes, ultimately, I'm okay, but not right now. And so I like hearing, you know, I'm, I'm safe. This is temporary. I hear you. How can I help? And if your kids are adults or no matter what age they are, I think you can always shift. And you can, if they're adults, you could always say, Hey, I've, I've recently learned something and I wanted to communicate this to you, you know, because I did it when you were a baby, I did it when you were a kid and I've changed my viewpoint and I want to just say, I'm sorry. And is there any, you know, is there any time that you felt like unseen or unheard or, or anything you want to say to me now, or is there anything that you want to cry about right now that we can just cry together or, you know, it's just, it sounds a little cheesy, but I think there's it's never too late to heal old stuff. I think you're so right. And I think, um, 
the fact of the matter is, you know, this has been in movies. This has been, uh, you know, around us forever. You see it everywhere you go. You hear it everywhere you go. And I think at this point now with the media and with, with the internet and everything that goes on in the world, you're so connected to so many people, but you've never felt more alone. Mm. And that's scary. I mean, I have young kids that write me, young young people saying, you know, I feel alone, I'm depressed, I have anxiety, I'm going to kill myself. This bothers me that I hear this out of so many young people because mm -hmm. their alternative is to end it. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to find a way somehow to, to kind of fix this to if it's with meditation if it's teaching kids skills life skills that they'll grow up with instead of just burying how they feel yeah and and the other thing that we have to acknowledge for younger generations is climate change you know the if we look at the projections for 2050 2060 you know when they're going to be in the prime of their lives it's not, it's not looking good right now. And it, that doesn't mean that it's not changeable or reversible because right now we're in this window where it is. But I think that if you, it's easy to just get so overwhelmed because the problem is so big and get fatalistic and just think, well, why would I even care? Why, if I'm having some intense feelings right now as a teenager, or as an adolescent, and you know, the world is going to be you know, almost unlivable by the time I'm an adult, like, why would I even care? Like, why don't I just end it now? Like, I, I get that narrative. And the, the counter to that is we need you now more than ever. You know, we need, we need people awake. We need people happy. We need people energized. We need people empathetic, adaptive, you know, we, big challenges solve for big, call for big solutions. And I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, but anyone who's watched Game of Thrones, you know, it's all these different kingdoms, all these different kings and queens who are fighting each other. And the only thing that can unite them, the only time they work together is when like winter is coming, when the White Walkers are coming. And so all these kings and queens unite against this common enemy. And I feel like climate change is giving us the opportunity to come together as a species, to come together across political divides, across racial divides, across national divides and say, hey, this is is something that we are all facing collectively as a species and let's really put our thinking caps on let's get out of this fight or flight stress mode which the stress is making us all stupid sick and slow so let's use this meditation tool let's wake up let's get creative and energized and unified and compassionate and let's put our thinking caps on because these are solvable problems we have alternative energy solutions we have ways to use things other than plastic. We have ways to not use as much carbon. It's just the greed on the behalf, on the part of the consumers and the politicians that is keeping us from that. And so I think that if we can get out, and greed is also PS a form of stress. It's a form of lack. And once we start to access our own fulfillment internally, once we start to realize that our own happiness always is found within, then we can start to approach life and decisions and legislation and corporate policy from a place of generosity and compassion versus I'll be happy when or lack or fear or greed. And, and I think specifically with kids, one thing I'm really excited about is that our big initiative for next year is we're making a Ziva Kids program. So we're going to start an online training for kids and it'll be different modules based on different age groups. And it's largely going to be training for the parents because I, it's hilarious to me how many parents come to me and say, hey, I'm, my kids are so stressed. Can you please help them? Like, do you have a kid's course? And I say, hey, do you meditate? And they say, no, I don't really have time, but my kids are stressed. And I'm like, well, 
guess what, friend? <laughs> it's like, if your kids are stressed, it's probably because you're stressed. And so it'll be a prerequisite that at least one parent has to learn as well so that you can help your kid through. But also, if you think back to your own childhood, probably the thing that stressed you out the most was when your parents were stressed. And so if, if we as parents can clean our own houses and then empower our children to take responsibility for their own mental and emotional fitness, then I just think the world is going to be a lot better off. And, and look, meditation is not the only piece of the puzzle. It's food, it's exercise, it's soil, it's, it's knowing that technology is a drug, you know, which means that the devil's in the dose. You know, it's not like we're all just going to eradicate technology, but the dosage matters. And I think that if we can start to look at all these things holistically and go back to nature, we're going to be just fine. I love that you drove the bus around this corner because this was my next question. The statement, let's face it, stress makes you stupid, sick, and slow. Right? Is that, is, is that truthful? Yep. I got it on the back of my book. Stupid makes, stress makes you stupid, sick, and slow. And, and how does it? Is your mind becomes so overloaded, so full that you can't get out of that mode? That is one of the things that happens. But when the body launches into a stress reaction, it's ultimately launching into fight or flight. Uh, our stress response as humans has evolved and adapted out of protecting us from predators from thousands of years ago, like saber-toothed tigers or lions or bears. And if you're in the woods and a tiger jumps out at you, your body's going to launch into a series of chemical reactions. Digestion will flood with acid to shut down digestion because we need that energy to fight the tiger. That same acid seeps onto your skin so you don't taste very good. Your bladder and bowels evacuate. Your immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're about to be killed by a tiger. Um, your cortisol levels increase. Your adrenaline levels increase. And this is all very useful if your demands are tigers. But if your demands are kids and gym class and deadlines and dates and you know traffic, and then then our this fight or flight thing has become maladaptive. It's disallowing us from performing at the top of our game. And and really, the cool thing here is that stress is not an incurable illness. We have a cure. It's called meditation. No one's doing it because they think they're too busy. And, and that to that, I want to say, if you think you're too busy to meditate, chances are you haven't found a style of meditation yet that works for you because mm -hmm. you should be getting a return on your time investment. So if, if you meditate for 10 minutes with an app and you're like, oh, that felt nice, but that's it. And you don't see better sleep, more productivity, better sex, better immune function. And maybe not after one sitting, but you know, after a while, um, then if it's 10 minutes in and 10 minutes out, none of us have time to waste there. So then it becomes just like a cute thing that you'll get around to when you have more time. But at Ziva, what I found is that for a 2% investment of your day, that's what 15 minutes twice a day is. It's 2% of your day. The other 98% of your life becomes more amazing. And, and I, you know, I've taught Dr. Mark Hyman to meditate. I've taught a bunch of, like, you know, as you said, some of the world's highest performers. And Mark Hyman, who is the father of functional medicine, 11-time New York Times bestselling author, a father, runs the Cleveland Clinic, um, the Functional Medicine Center at the Cleveland Clinic. He says, you know, for my two meditations a day, I get three more hours of productivity in my day. And so stress is killing us. There is a cure. It's called meditation. And if you think you're too busy to meditate, chances are you don't have a technique that's designed for you. Chances are you're using something that was designed for a monk, which is why you think you're failing. Yeah, it's so true. Oh my gosh. And then there's this one. I, I mean, I totally went, put on the brakes as soon as I read this and I was like, okay, 
Gonna hit her with this one. Putting her feet to the fire, man. She's gonna talk about this one for me. Reverse your body age. Reverse your body. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge advocate of healthy eating and exercise. Believe me when I tell you, I have eight pounds I need to lose because I've been junking it up lately. I don't know. Sometimes I go through this in the fall and I packed on like eight pounds and I'm like, it's got to go. It has got to go. But I'm a huge fan of people not taking a diet pill, not doing, not working out. I'm going to work out, man. I'm, I'm going to really get into this. You do like three weeks, you do three months of it and you're like, okay, weight's gone. I'm done. And you walk away. I believe you need to move your body and use your body. What do you think? Yes, a thousand percent. It's and and to me, I would argue that it's not. It's never about the eight pounds. It's never about you know this you know love handle or that floppy piece of skin. It's always about how do we want to feel? What do we want our bodies to be able to do? You know, why do we want to feel stronger? Why do we want to be more confident? And, and if we look at the why, then we can stop being so nitpicky about, you know, exactly, well, this many pounds and this, that, or the other. It's, it's like exercise because it feels nice to exercise. You know, be active because you are more sane and more kind on the other side. Go do things that you love in nature for the sake of doing them. And if you're doing that, if you're in that space of joy and, and, giving yourself the gift of movement because it feels good to move, you're probably going to lose the weight anyway, but without beating yourself up. It's like exercise because you love yourself. Don't exercise so that you can love yourself. Same thing with food. It's like eat delicious, nourishing food because you love yourself. Don't eat, don't give yourself crap because to treat yourself because you were like, it's like we've used it as a treat and a punishment like crappy food, that food that's not even food, we use it as a reward or a punishment. When instead it's like the reward is eating real food from the earth that nourishes our brain and bodies and that tastes good, that we put love and energy into preparing. What if that becomes the reward versus, well, I'm going to eat nothing but iceberg lettuce all day to deprive myself. And then I'm going to treat myself with some, you know, iced latte, sugary coffee drinks as a, as a treat. It's like, that's not a treat. That's poison. Right. Right. I'm a huge, huge um, advocate and a huge, um, I push this on everybody. Sugar is poison. Sugar is poison. It's as addictive as cocaine. Okay. It hits the same nervous center in your brain. So when you do that, when you, oh, I'm having ice cream tonight because today I ate two salads. Wait a minute. I'm going to be honest. I've been, I've been there. I've done this. I've done sure, this. Me too. You know what? Okay. Um, holidays are coming. I want to eat cookies. So I'm going to eat this today and this today. And then on Friday when we had the party, man, I'm paying out on cookies. It is that reward. It is that hits that part of your brain that is at the reward center. We need to find something else to reward ourselves with. Correct? Yes, I think so. And it's not about never enjoying, you know, treats, you know, it's not about depriving yourself. I just think that this whole idea of like deprivation and reward, it's not a healthy model. I think that my, the way I like to look at it is let's crowd out our plate with so many vegetables and nourishing foods and, you know, sustainably caught or, or healthfully raised animals. If you choose to eat animals that you're eating food, that's real food that's from the earth so that there's not too much room for the rest of the, of the food. Mark calls it, Mark Hyman calls it food like products. Right. You know, there's, there's food and then there's food like products. And he says, food does not have an ingredients list. 
it's like, oh, that's a carrot. That's an apple. That's a, you know, it's milk. It's just it's from the earth um, or from an animal versus, um, oh, well, this has hydrogenated this and polyunsaturated that. And Xena, it's like, if it has a letter X in it, it's not food. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. It's so, so true. So really quickly or, or, or just thoughtfully, give us a couple of little pushes, a little couple glimpses into what we need to be doing. Yes. So I'd say step one is what I, what I was mentioning before is that know that meditation is a skill. Okay. So I really think if you want, if you're, if you're ready to commit, if you're like, this sounds too good to be true, I really want this thing in my life. I'm willing to invest some time into learning it. I would say, you know, either check out the book or get the Ziva online or something. But if you're just like, I don't know that I want to commit. I'm not sure if I want to really do a training. I just want something I could do. Um, I can, share something right now, something called the 2X breath. And this is helpful if you don't meditate and you're having anxiety and you feel like you're going to have a panic attack. There's something called the 2X breath, which is where you double the length of your exhale from your inhale. So you would inhale through the nose for two and then would exhale out of your mouth for four. And we can do it together. You just inhale through your nose for two and exhale through your mouth for four. It's so, so simple. Just in through the nose for two, exhaling for four. If you're really stressed, you can do this while you're walking around the room. So you inhale for two paces and exhale for four. Or you can do it with your eyes closed, seated. Again, inhaling for two, right into your belly. And as you exhale, softening your brow, softening your jaw, softening your belly. And one final time, big, delicious inhale into your belly energizing every cell in your body. And as you exhale, letting all the muscles soften, releasing anything that isn't serving you and then opening your eyes. So that's, that's not a meditation. That's a breathing technique, but it's something you could do to prepare for meditation or it's something you could do if you felt a little anxious or you were in traffic or you got some bad news, you know, you could just do the two X breath and bring you into your body, into the now. Okay, I love that. I love it because you can feel your blood pressure going down, actually. Mm -hmm. And that helps to calm. Right. Yeah, it helps to soften and strengthen something called the vagus nerve, which is like the super highway between the brain and the body. And the vagus nerve is in charge of all kinds of things. And so we want to make sure that it's it's not in overdrive all the time. Okay. So, Emily, where do they find you? What give them all the places, all the names of everything, so that they can check you out. Yeah. So the easiest place to find everything would be zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I-V as in Victor, A. That's just a Sanskrit word that means bliss. So zivameditation.com. And there you can find um, Ziva Online, which is our 15-day online training. And that's about 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And that gives you the keys to the car and the driving instructions. People learn the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting, all three components of the Ziva technique. And then I also teach live in New York and LA. I'm going to Toronto in October. So you can find information on that. And of course, the book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, you can get on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Thank you so very much for your time and for your knowledge. I mean, I think, you know, I'm definitely going to try it. This is something I need to try at this point in my life. I think it, you, everybody gets to a point where their, their head is so overloaded and so full that it's almost like you're stuck, like you keep hitting the brick wall over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And to get to the next level, you have to find the next leg up. 
So yes. I'm really interested in this and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for you being here. I know how busy you are and I can't say thanks enough. I think this is something, and I can't wait for the kids one to come out. I think that's so incredibly important. My son's, um, one's a superintendent in schools, one's a teacher, or he's a principal of schools. And I have two daughter-in-laws that are teachers. And I think the kids need to have something like this in school. Yes, I think you're right. And I, I do hope that once we make this, that it will start to be adopted in schools and by parents, because it's, it's like, it's just like with, with, you know, veterans and soldiers and Navy SEALs, which we're starting to work with the army and with Navy SEALs, but it's so much better to teach them these tools before going into combat than it is to try and reverse the damage after it's done. And I think same thing with kids, if we can give them the tools earlier before they go through the most traumatic times in their life, it's so much easier for them to become adaptive versus having to undo that after after the trauma has happened. I think it's, you're right. I think it's just, it's something that I think would make a better generation. I think that there's so many things that can be reversed. I think kids have the king to the key, kingdom right now, the keys to the kingdom, that they have, they have more education and more resources than we ever had. And I think that there's so much that can happen in the future. We just need to get a hold of them and to really bring them into their own, to let them calm down, to ha stop having the media assault and the teacher assault and the parent assault and all the assaults on them before they even hit puberty and just mm -hmm. learn to calm your mind down and control what you need to do. Yes. Preach it, sister. Preach it. Anyway, thank you, Emily. Thank you so very much for being our guest. Ziva Meditation, I think it's amazing. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Keep rocking it, girlfriend. Thank you so much. Same to you. Thank you for creating this, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And Bye. we'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back and we've got headlines and headaches and health hacks. What do you got, dude? Triple H. Oh, wait, it's already taken, hasn't it? Yeah, it's taken. Oops. Okay. So headlines, headaches, and health hacks. Oh, we could do quadruple H. <laughs> okay. Um, users of Amazon's Alexa Digital Assistant can now request that recordings of their voice commands delete automatically. Amazon says it saves such commands to improve the service, but the practice has raised concerns with privacy experts who say the recordings could get into the wrong hands, especially as Amazon and other companies use human reviewers rather than just machines. Oh my God, someone's going to get a hold of my uh, commands and order a microwave. Yes. <laughs> I told you all these years they've been recording you, dude. I don't I'm care. telling you, they, they listen to everything you say in your house, That's just right. so you know. They know your whole life story. That's okay. So does everyone on the show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, previously, users had to go to Alexa settings and delete recordings manually. Users can now ask Amazon to automatically delete recordings after three months or 18 months. But uh, users need to specify that they're in the recordings as recordings are kept indefinitely by default. Uh, and there's no automatic option for immediate deletion. Users would still need to do that manually. When users ask for automatic deletion, a warning will pop up saying that doing so could degrade Alexa's ability to respond or understand users. Amazon will also let users request deletions through an Alexa voice command. The use of human reviewers will continue. How about this? If you don't like any of this stuff, don't use it. How about that? That's what I don't do. I've How? got it in the box still. The, I don't good. use it. Oh, good. I'll take it. I'll take your Alexa. Okay. Thanks. Uh, really, if you're going to have a problem with this, like, oh, I can't live without it, but I don't want you having my recordings, just get over yourself. Just stop. You're not that important. Nobody cares about what you're saying. <laughs> so just stop. 
Either if you don't like it, don't use it. All right. Otherwise, I don't want to hear this. You want the best of everything. I want to use my smart speaker, but I don't want my voice recorded. So oh, stop. Stop. Those people are so worried about their privacy. I know people don't use Easy Pass because they don't want the government tracking where they're driving. Where are you driving to? A Russian spy base? Just stop. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. We got you. Everybody get over get over yourselves with your privacy. Anyway, we hear what I say, Alexa, play John Denver. Okay, shut up. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry, I just had to go on a tangent there. Um, tech companies have been reviewing their practices in light of privacy concerns. There's greater concern when humans are involved because of a potential for rogue employees or contractors to leak private details embedded in the voice commands. Why are there private? Vo- why are you talking about private details on these speakers? Like, uh, you know, if if you you're that private, unplug it. Something I don't know. Just people. Yeah, people. yeah. You can unplug it, right? And that'll be the end of that. Yes. And when yeah. you say Alexa, and it's unplugged, she doesn't answer. She's like, <laughs> like Alexa. Yeah. 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 So it does, yeah. Doesn't work when it's unplugged. So people stop with all this stuff. It's privacy experts. Oh, stop it. Okay. Sorry. Let me get back to the story. When Facebook starts selling a new version of its uh, portal video calling gadget next month, isn't that called FaceTime? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <Okay>. Hello. <laughs> the company will resume using humans to review voice interactions with the device. Users will be able to decline or opt out. People on existing devices will get a notification point into the appropriate settings. New portal users will get the option when setting up. Human reviews involving Facebook's Messenger app elsewhere remain suspended as Facebook reexamines the privacy implications. Get on that, Zuckerberg. Fix it. Okay. Yeah, Zuckerberg's like, he's really branching out now. He's got his dating thing on Facebook. Why not? Now, he's got, he's just like, he's Here, he's in but, competition, boy. But he's these really co- going. Well, if these companies don't, you don't keep developing, you get passed by, passed by and you oh, die. Oh, absolutely. People are yeah, so fickle absolutely. with this stuff, you know. It was MySpace yeah. before Facebook and all this other stuff. And if you don't keep going and keep developing and keep, keep giving people a reason to be there, they're going to leave eventually. Like, I'm barely right. on Facebook. Facebook's, like, you know, throw a picture of my kids on there, like, once a month. That's about it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Google's also getting involved in this, of course. They're trying to enhance and improve and blah, blah, blah. So, if you care about your privacy, either don't use these things or unplug them or just get over yourself. That's my yeah. advice. Okay. Can of we course. move on? Let's, let's talk about Mars. Move on. Move on about Mars. Elon Musk wants to send you to Mars cheaply. Yes, that's we're all we're all gunning for like a, a, a very inexpensive way to get to a planet that we can't survive on. <laughs> Thank you. I know I, I'm interested. Uh, of course you are. Yeah. Of course you are. Uh, this past Saturday unveiled the latest design of SpaceX forthcoming rocket system designed to get you to Mars. The launch system, which is known as Starship, uh, not to be confused with um, the '80s version of Jefferson Starship, <laughs> I was who, say that. <laughs> who changed their name to Starship. And had the number one hit single and everyone's favorite song, We Built This City. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And just Don't, by the way, how original, Elon, Starship, yeah, how original. Yeah. Grace yeah. Slick's going to sue him, I bet. Okay. Um, the Starship may stand about 390 feet tall, stretch 30 feet in diameter, and have enough space to f- and fuel to carry 100 people and 150 tons of cargo to the red planet at a time. Musk also envisions a later version that's several times larger. How about you just yeah. feed, help feed the people on this planet and like well, clean, yeah, yeah. clean up this planet? Where are we, yeah, gonna, why don't, why where are we looking to move out? Help. This planet's yeah. disgusting. It's got so much stuff in here. There's like plastic in the ocean. I'm going to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, how about health care? Why don't you give people that don't have health care health care? Yeah. How's that? Yeah. How about that, Mr. Musk? 
He, yeah. must, he must smell good with a name like that, right? Elon yeah. Musk. Oh, very nice. Yeah, Mr. Musk. What are you wearing? I'm wearing musk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just my natural secretion. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. You're on it All right, today. All right Mr. Musk. Oh, no, I've been oh drinking coffee. That's why. All Starship right. will now will allow us to inhabit other worlds, Musk tweeted on Friday, later adding, to make life as we know it multiplanetary. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's, yeah. I'm, I wonder, oh, I'm multiplanetary now. Did you know that? Hi. Yeah, hi. Go to your class. Where are you reading. from? Hi, um, I'm multiplanetary. <laughs> well, I winter in Florida, but in the summer, I'm on Mars. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. 9.15 uh, p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, Musk presented the newest Starship plans and details from SpaceX rocket development and launch site in South Texas. He plans to address a small group of employees, journalists, local supporters, and residents of a nearby hamlet called Boca Chica Village. Well, look, we wish you luck, Mr. Musk, and if you happen to um, yeah, go to Mars, say hello to my Uncle Al. He's over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay, uh, this is good news. Sony and Marvel are bringing Spidey home. Like they, they made this announcement that they split up, and then they, like a week later, got back together. I think it was all publicity stunt personally, but let's read this article anyway. Spider-Man will return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Sony Pictures and Disney's Marvel Studios rejoined forces for another film. Spidey senses were tingling after the co-producing studios called it quits last month, disagreeing over the terms of the hero's next installment. The dispute would have removed Sony's character from the Disney's MCU, severing his Marvel storyline. Spider-Man's next solo journey is scheduled for release in 2021, and the character is slated to appear in one future Marvel film. Thank God. Oh, my God. Hello. People yeah. here were going crazy at my office. They were freaking out. Oh, my God. Like They were having funerals for Spider-Man. I was like, oh, my God, guys. senses unless you're a goddamn spider <laughs> <laughs> holy cow oh this is just beautiful this is, these are great headlines headaches and headlines and hacks today okay thank you oh we talked about bananas before let's talk about bananas again how about that if you don't eat a banana every day you're an idiot no it doesn't say that if you don't eat a banana every day you might want to think about eating bananas every day researchers at the university of alabama found that eating bananas every day could help prevent heart attacks and strokes their study, which aimed to determine how the mineral potassium affects blood flow and artery health, examined mice who received a diet containing either low, normal, or high levels of potassium. Overall, mice given low potassium diet had much harder arteries than their counterparts. Mice who received high levels of potassium, on the other hand, show significantly less artery hardening and reduced stiffness in their aorta as well. And in related news, PETA is pissed at all this <laughs> mouse testing. Jesus Christ, leave the mice alone. Okay. Um, previous also research supports the importance of potassium. I think we knew this, though, but, I mean, it's always good to remind people. Uh, right. Previous studies show potassium-rich diet helps lower blood pressure, reduce risk of heart disease. Um, these are published in many journals and such. Um, the study reported that an average increase of 1,540 milligrams of dietary potassium per day is linked to 21% reduced risk of a stroke. Um, also, I guess the newer thing is now not only for stroke and stuff, but also for arteries, artery health. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it helps maintain a healthy heartbeat. Uh, low levels can co cause heart arrhythmias and potentially impair blood flow to the brain, muscles, and organs. Kind of important. Um, according to experts, potassium also improves your heart's function by regulating your heartbeat, digesting carbohydrates, and building muscle. The combination right. of these perks 
could do wonders for your arteries, preventing heart disease and strokes down the road. Uh, more research is necessary. Always research. We're, we're pro-research here at One Tough Mother. Um, researchers need to uh, replicate this in people to draw a definitive conclusion. I mean, I, I think I'm on board with the potassium. Let's say that. I am too. So the no. last, last show we talked about boiling the banana peels. Did you okay? do it? Yeah, I did actually. And? Yeah. Not a big fan. I mean, I could drink it. <laughs> it wasn't like undrinkable. Uh, but not that, a, big, a shot you know, of that, like, a shot of wine, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually did. But um, honestly, it was it was all right. I mean, I did it, and I, I, it's just something extra you have to do that I don't feel like doing, actually. Well, so I'll just yeah. eat You need I'll to wear your mask, banana. wear your goggles, and eat, drink your banana tea, all right? And then be quiet. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And I also, will. also for most people, eating potassium-rich foods like bananas, sweet potatoes, beans, dark leafy greens will contribute to a healthy diet and possibly reduce risk for cardiovascular disease. Many people in the United States consume less potassium than is recommended, and the Dietary Guidelines for Americans name potassium a nutrient of public health concern. While bananas have a reputation for containing lots of potassium, uh, there are also a recommendation of broccoli, spinach, carrots, cauliflower, and other vegetables um, will do the do the job as well. So, you make sure, people, that you have potassium in your diet. It is important. Yeah, imagine and, that. Yes, and, eating healthy, eating and you something might, healthy. And good thing Elon Musk has a lot of room on his on Starship, so you can pack some bananas with you. Yeah, I don't, take a I don't, bunch I don't of think bananas. bananas are grown on on Mars. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. that. See? Not eating processed. Seeing, seeing. Yeah, yeah, there's no bananas so, on Mars, Cad. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he can do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you and I, Elon. Musk Elon, can. Elon on the show. can. Yes, Elon can. Elon, He'll be on the show next Elon, week. Elon, Elon's on next yeah. week. Yeah, probably. Oh, all right, great. Anyway. Um, so have, you know, everybody just eat healthy, you know, save yourself the hassle, just eat a banana every once in a while. And as far as breast cancer awareness month, make sure you get your mammograms, make sure you get checked, pay attention to what's going on in life because like, you know, things change quickly. So with that, this week's mother says is just let go, let go of how you thought your life should be and embrace the life that is trying to work its way into your consciousness. So Seth, what I'm gonna do now, that Emily was so kind to come on the show and help me, the number one media guru, or a media, number one meditation guru in the world, I'm gonna to try to meditate. Okay, look, can I give you a little bit of advice? Yeah. People get caught up, you know, we're, we're very, uh, our society is very right and wrong, like I'm doing this wrong, I'm getting thoughts in my head, and that's not really what meditation is about. You're gonna to have to dismiss the thoughts as they come, you're gonna have thoughts throwing flowing throughout your brain you have to kind of let them come in and, and go out like you just said let it go because people get so right. like try to concentrate when you meditate it's kind of more like letting go and yeah and not, she said that yeah not judging and not you know just letting just letting the thoughts come in and out and there's no right or wrong it's just you're, you're practicing it's a practice right yeah it's a practice mm -hmm. and she said that to me she said like your mind automatically thinks it automatically it's like you're breathing and your heart beating okay so just let it come and go just, you know, sit there and I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, how it can't hurt. And I actually, I'm really interested in trying it. You know, it was a one interesting meditation I did. It was um, very simple. You breathe, when you breathe in, you're breathing in good. And you breathe out, you're breathing out bad. So it's like almost like breathing in this fresh air and then breathing out like fire. You know, right. it's just, uh, and just kind of dismissing it. And it's just, I don't know, you keep it simple. And it helps, it helps you get into the, the flow of things. Well, thanks, dude. Have a sure. great week. I mean, have a great week at work, and um, happy birthday to Talia. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe she's going to be four. Oh, she's a piece of work. 
You should see, the, right. ba- you see the babies hauling ass all over the place. Oh boy, great. Pretty. I'm glad you have the house. I mean, now the kid can really move around. That's right. All right, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. We have another great show. Very interesting woman. Um, I've known about this woman for a few years, and um, very interested in having her on the show. So we will talk to you soon. Have a good day, dude. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.